KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Kids have been learning from home for weeks here in the midst of the pandemic. The classroom is now the dining room or kitchen table, and students are getting their lessons from teachers on a laptop rather than in person. Obviously, this has been a big adjustment for parents, but it's also been a big adjustment for the teachers who have had to figure out ways to best connect with their students without having them in the classroom. So this being Teacher Appreciation Week, and probably one they'll never forget, we wanted to talk to some local educators about how their job has changed in the wake of COVID-19, the challenges they're facing, and how much they miss their students. Up first, a conversation with Jen McCarthy. She's a business education teacher at Upper Marion High School in Montgomery County. All right, so first question, when it comes down that you have to start working from home, I know in our school district in Jersey, you could kind of read the tea leaves for about a week that this is the direction it was going. Was it kind of similar for you guys where you you kind of knew this was happening? It was just a matter of when? Um, Yeah, for me, I think I always kind of had this going into it um, when we got the call that on the, that Friday the 13th we would be closed. I kind of figured, all right, well, this is going to be our reality. So I kind of just went in with it knowing that this is going to be something that's pretty big and something that's going to kind of rock our world if you will, a little bit. I think other teachers may have gone into it thinking that, oh, we'll be back, we'll be back, we'll be back. It'll just be like a two-week, three-week thing, but we'll be back. I think I went into it a little bit more realistic approach, and I kind of knew that it was going to be for the long haul. So how was the adjustment at first? Did you kind of have a playbook to go off of, of how to kind of move from the classroom setting to online, or was it kind of create on the fly? I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest. The first thing I like had to do was just kind of like sit down and just like map out the month, what I would normally be teaching throughout that unit or, or even like that marking period. And then I had to realize that, you know what, let's be realistic. I'm not going to be able to get to where I would normally be in this marking period or in this unit. It's just kind of accepting it. All right, let's kind of figure out and like be more realistic as to like what my students can achieve without sitting in front of me in the classroom. It's really different when you think about it, Um, like not seeing their faces and like I, I often go to their faces and their body language to understand if they, they know what I've taught and sitting behind a computer, that's really hard to do. Also with my position, a lot of what I do is already computer-based and everything is online for me with all my classes. And and that's pretty much how I run my classroom in the normal day setting. So it wasn't the biggest transition as far as like getting everything online for me. It was just that not seeing their faces and like not knowing if they understood the material was the hard adjustment for me. How long did it take for you to really find your rhythm or is it still kind of a a day-to-day battle? I mean, I think it's a day-to-day battle and you just kind of like have to trust that it's going to work through it at the end. I know that like a lot of my students are still struggling with the idea of just maintaining that like balance 
I mean, as adults, we we still kind of like struggle with the idea of maintaining that life work balance. And now we're asking a teenager to do something that some adults can't even do. So I, I think it's still a day to day process. Like, and I reevaluate at the end of the each week what we accomplished what was too difficult for them. And maybe like next week I have to kind of like taper it down a little bit. Is there anything from this that you have learned that will make the transition when you go back to the classroom? Has any thing, uh, anything you've tried, anything you've done kind of, you know, hit a point where like, you know what, this, this really works. This will be helpful down the road, even in a quote unquote more normal setting. I think as a whole, like we can now look at um, the idea of schools, going into that online world is not that like out of this world, crazy idea that we used to think about it being, I think moving forward, you know, in the next school years, when we have a snow day, like there is no reason why we cannot throw everything online and have a day, still have a school day without being in the classroom. So I think moving forward for me, that's exciting knowing that, well, Hey, all of my like lessons and, and I'm, I think fairly organized in the sense that I have it by the day in folders and we've kind of developed like a more organized approach, at least in my opinion, but it it can work. And it's just a matter of like getting our teachers all on board of like, all right, we can do this. It's just like, I think everyone had a lot of fear going into it, but I I think it's something that's totally doable in the the future. So it is teacher appreciation week. Has this experience made you appreciate, and I know it's supposed to work the other way, but has it made you appreciate uh, the classroom experience and what what you get to do a little more? And I'm not saying you didn't before, but whenever you go through something like this, do you ever do kind of a a self-checklist of of what you get to do? Yeah, I mean, throughout these weeks that we've been at home working, I've never realized how much harder it would be to go online. So I can appreciate. And I said to my friend the other day, I was like, man, I really miss like driving to school thinking like, or hearing something on the radio and saying, oh, I'm going to bring that to the classroom or, oh, I'm going to tell the kids about that. But I don't get that anymore. And I do miss that interaction. And it makes me appreciate those interactions that I get every single day with those kids. Even just like the walking in the door, like giving someone a high five or like a fist bump, like I don't get that. And, you know, my dog doesn't do that for me. So I do think that I kind of really miss that atmosphere of like seeing their faces and, you know, the interactions with my peers. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I'll forever like be grateful for because I think even more so um, now, like we're relying on our peers to kind of like just get us through these weeks and kind of just like push us through because, you know, with all within our peers, like we, we've all had that like doubtful feeling like, oh my God, can I do this? This is so hard. This is so hard. But I think like really relying on them, you know, makes me feel like grateful and appreciative to be a teacher and, and have the peers that I work with and the class and the students that I work with. And coming from the other side, because this was one of the first things I thought of with two kids at home that are doing homeschooling. Do you think this situation will give a, a significant amount of the population a better appreciation for what teachers do now that they've kind of had to do it on a day-to-day basis themselves? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have kids, so I can't even imagine what it would be like to have kids at home and teaching them 
elementary math. I don't know that I could even remember elementary school math. Um, I think a ton of appreciation. And, and it's been shown to our teachers as well um, throughout the last couple weeks. I know my students every week, I send them like a questionnaire of like how they're doing, what they're grateful for, what do they miss most. And a lot of times they're just missing like the teacher interactions or, you know, missing the classroom setting. Like one kid said, I, I actually miss sitting in class, like listening to you. And I was like, oh, no, gee, thanks. <laughs> so I do think there is a sense of appreciation on the other side. And, you know, moms and dads out there who are trying to work full time and at the same time trying to teach their kids full time. I, I can't imagine how they're doing it. Now, here's a conversation with Anna Phelan. She's a kindergarten teacher at Overbrook Educational Center in West Philadelphia. In the interest of full disclosure, Anna teaches with my youngest sister. Give a listen. All right. So let's kind of start at the beginning. How overall has this experience of, of virtual teaching been for you? And how long did it take you to find a rhythm if you've really been able to find one to this point? Yeah, I think finding a rhythm has been the most challenging piece of all of this because, um, you know, you want to figure out what works best for your kids and figure out what works best for parents. And in order to do that, it's a lot of trial and error, um, you know, trying different things out and then seeing like, oh, this worked, this didn't work. But then, you know, at the same time, you want to find a rhythm and you want to be as consistent as possible. So, you know, in some senses, it's about like trying and finding what works and what doesn't work. But then in some senses, it's about, you know, getting and being consistent and, and you know, trying to reach the students that way. So when we first started, the school district of Philadelphia wasn't requiring anything from teachers. We had just like printed out packets. So my first kind of attempt was to bring things to students that they could do independently at home. Like I really, I was really reluctant to move to behind the screen. Um, I guess at that time, I didn't really know how long it was going to be, but I just wanted to do anything except for having them on a computer just because, you know, they're five years old. I, I want them learning, but I, you know, I want them doing things too. So my first attempt at all this was to put like a big bag together for my kids. And I put like a whiteboard, dry erase marker, you know, some puzzles that they could do, pencils and crayons and physical books that they could read, um, some like games that we play, hundreds charts, sight word flashcards, like just all bunch of things that they could do on their own and not necessarily behind the computer. So that was kind of my first attempt. I think it was helpful at first, but I, I kind of realized that I think it was almost like maybe too much for parents. So sometimes it's like, you know, if you say, here's a million things that you could do as a teacher, sometimes you think you're being more helpful by doing that. But then, you know, I almost feel like it's sometimes for parents, it seems to be better of just like, this is what I want you to do today. So I kind of had that feeling of like, oh, I think I'm actually overwhelming them by giving them too much. And, and then we we moved to doing just Zoom story hour. So me and the first grade teacher, Miss Leon, we did story hour together twice a day. So we had like a morning story and a nighttime story. And our main thing was that was we just wanted like the kids to be able to see each other and just like provide some type of routine for them, some type of like normalcy. So that was actually 
actually going really well for, for a little bit. Um, the kids were seeing each other. Um, you know, they were listening to the story. We were still like talking about the story. So we were still doing some type of literacy skills um, and we were super consistent with it. So that was going well. And then unfortunately, that's when the school district said that we could no longer use Zoom. So we had to switch over to Google Meet. And then at that same time was when the school district said, you know, for like all teachers to begin using Google Classroom and posting assignments and things like that. Um, so it's kind of like what I was avoiding doing just, you know, with the like with, you know, teaching kindergarten. I just, you know, I want to do anything but teach through a computer. But I guess it was kind of like the inevitable next thing to do. So we switched over to Google Meet. And Google, I, it's like, I feel like when I tell people like the, the struggles I have with Google Meet, it like seems so like silly, but what drives me crazy about Google Meet is like the kids on Zoom, I could do things for kids. Like I can mute them. I can unmute them. I can make myself bigger. I can share my screen. Google Meet is like, I'm asking them to do that themselves. Like I'll say like, you know, click the red microphone, put yourself on mute or, or click the pin and make, make, you know, Miss Fallon bigger. So I'm just like, I feel like I'm spending a lot more time on the technology aspect than I am at, at the actual content of what I'm teaching. But the rhythm that I'm in now is um, I do like a Google Meet session in the morning. Then we do like a little fluency practice with the whiteboards that I gave them. And then I upload like one lesson a day into Google Classroom. So it definitely took a lot of different ups and downs and changes to, to get a rhythm. And I still don't even know for sure, if, if this is if this is you know the best thing I could be doing, but but that's the rhythm I'm in now. So, <laughs> how challenging is it? I think it's one thing if you're trying to do this with high school or even junior high, but I mean kindergarten, that's tough. Just from the having the patience to have them sit in front of the the camera and stuff like that. How much like you know by a factor of five is this made more difficult just because of the age you're teaching? Yeah, I I think that is definitely I would say a five out of five. Like it's it's so hard because I'm having like an inner struggle almost of like I want to teach them, but I I, I know that like sometimes what I'm doing is not what's best for them. Like, you know, if you if you look up the recommended screen time minutes per age, I'm like, I'm asking them to do so much more. I don't, you know, I don't want them sitting behind a computer this much. Like I want them outside playing you know, like, or I want them reading books or, or playing with blocks. Like that's what's more developmentally appropriate. But then it's kind of like I'm doing something that I almost like feel is not necessarily the right thing to be doing. Um, so there's that whole component to it. But then also just in the teaching, you know, in my live lessons every day, it's just, it's a lot because not there's, there's like baseline um, challenges that everybody will deal with. And then there's like additional challenges due to the age. So like baseline, I have internet glitches and so do they. And, and, and me and my roommate will struggle because, you know, she'll be on a live lesson and I'll be on a live lesson, but you know, we're both on at the same time. There's only one good spot where the Wi-Fi works. Like one of us doesn't have the good Wi-Fi, and the kids are going through the same thing. So, you know, like my student, his older sibling is on another video call at the same time. And, and, you know, so I'm glitching, you know, and then there's just, just like general technology issue baseline. But then, um, you know, when you add the fact that they're five years old, I think of like when we would go to the computer lab at school, like once a week, it would take me like 30 minutes just to get everybody signed into the computer. And I have to keep reminding myself, like, that's what the parents are doing now. Like, you know, it's easy for me to just click send, 
join this lesson, but there's a lot that the parents have to do and the kids have to do in order to get in it. And then, you know, like, like I was saying about Google meet, it's just a lot of like, okay, you know, click, I can't do it for them. So it's like, you have to, I tell them to like touch my nose with their mouse and then the pin will pop up to make me bigger. And then like, you know, so it's just a lot of like, okay, do this, click, click the microphone. And then, you know, I'll call in a student and then I'll wait two minutes before they unmuted themselves. But then it's like, I'm dealing with this, but they're also, they're five years old, so their attention span is short. So by the time whoever I called on unmuted themselves to share, like no one's listening anymore. And then I did like, I, I got feedback from parents at like 20, 25 minutes is like where they cap out of like the ability to sit behind a screen. So, which I totally understand. So we started doing like, we do a 10 to 10.30, then we take a break and then we come back. So yeah, so I think it's hard because I think every every teacher has their own, challenges with what they're teaching and how they're teaching and where they're teaching it's easy to say like no but mine is the most challenging and you know if you ask any other teacher at another grade they would probably disagree with me it does feel like the, like the the age is is really just like another huge huge factor and why this is so hard is there anything that you've learned from this in a positive way that will make you a better teacher or has added tools to your toolbox for when we get back to quote unquote closer to normal? Yeah. Um, in a way it's frustrating sometimes because I'm, I'm making lessons and, and, you know, making worksheets that they can edit on a Google doc. And I'm like, I'm not going to use this again. It's like a little bit frustrating when I'm putting in all this time, you know, for specific things like that. So a lot of it is like, no, I, I will not use this again unless we go in lockdown again. But I think what I've realized or what I've learned is, there are a lot more ways that I could reach a child in the case of like a snow day or if they're absent or over the summer or like, um, you know, now that we're being forced to do all this, it's a little bit of eye opening of like, oh, I could be doing this on a snow day, you know, like I could be offering a live lesson or, you know, I could do this over the summer for kids who can't go to summer school or, you know, I could, I could do this tutoring like this you know what I mean and then also like I opened my eyes a little bit more to like all the information that I could be sharing with parents that I'm not necessarily sharing with them so you know everyone keeps saying like parents have become teachers which they have and so in that sense you know I'm sharing way more resources that I ever did with parents you know I've like taken videos of like this is how I teach this you know model this you know here's a video of the little warm-up that we do that you could do with your kid at home and then you know I'm realizing to myself like I could have been doing this all you know from the start you know, like I could have been sharing these resources and giving parents ideas and, and videos and, and tricks to do at home, regardless of, of, you know, if we were in school or not. So I think that is something that I could definitely take with me as a learning experience for next year. My final question, it is, I think it's Teacher Appreciation Week. I think yesterday, as we're talking, was Teacher Appreciation Day. Has this made you appreciate what you do to yourself and the classroom experience more? And conversely, do you think because so many parents are getting kind of a front row view of what goes into teaching a child, do you think there maybe is more appreciation for what you do? Yeah, I think I definitely got more love on Teacher Appreciation Day this year than I ever have before. And it's funny because, like, you know, I see all these, like, memes and things on Instagram or whatever that's like, you know, parents are 
thanking teachers. You know, now we realize how hard it is. And I almost, I felt like in the beginning, I was like more nervous that people were going to be like, actually, this can be done virtually. Like we don't necessarily need teachers or, you know what I mean? Like I was like nervous for like the safety of my job for next year. It was like, if people realize that like, I was almost like, if this goes, I want it to go well, but if it goes too well, are people going to start saying like, you know, we could do this at home. Like we don't, we don't need classrooms anymore. Um, I don't really think that's the case anymore. But yeah, no, I, I've gotten a lot, a lot more texts from parents this year than ever before. And I think I do, you know, feel, feel very appreciated. I'm more aware of just like so much of what goes into teaching besides the actual content of what you're teaching. Like, you know, I, today I did a virtual lesson on digraph CH and it was fine. It took like 10 minutes. I think they understand. And so I'm just like uh, the actual, I guess the actual, like what I'm actually teaching is only a small portion of the day. Like, you know, what I'm missing and what the kids miss are missing is not necessarily like the literacy skills. It's, you know, our morning meeting when we're all sitting in a circle and, you know, listening to people's feelings and playing games together and having conversations and, you know, being able to pull students aside, like, which I can't do on Google Meet and, and, you know, having my like eat lunch with the teacher coupon and, and things like that. So I do, this has definitely made me realize just kind of like all the other things that go into being a teacher besides just what you actually teach. And, and at the end of the day, it feels during these times anyways, like that the other parts of it is almost more important or more, you know, worthwhile than the actual standard that you're teaching. So. And now here's a conversation with Dina Sweeney. She's a first grade teacher at Herma S. Simmons Elementary School in Clayton, New Jersey. Once again, in the idea of full disclosure, she taught my son last year when he was in first grade. Give a listen. So first question, just uh, the overall experience of teaching virtually, online. uh, What's it been like? How challenging has it been? I think in the beginning, it was challenging trying to find a platform that everybody was comfortable with. I wanted the parents to be comfortable with the online learning that we were going to use. I wanted it to be easy for them to access and I wanted it to be easy for them to log in each day. I think some of the challenges that um, we were finding was people had one device for possibly three children to share. So they had to figure out how the child was going to share that device, get their work done, pass it on to a sibling. Some children were using a phone, so they were seeing things differently than a child on the laptop or the iPad because it was smaller. So their work was a little more challenging for them. But in the end, all of my students are on an iPad or they are on a laptop at this point. I do have a lot of parents that are working full time. So their work is coming in at different times than children whose parents are home, and that's okay. They're out there being an essential employee. So that comes first, and then when they have time, they will catch their children up. They will get the work done. It's turned in. Um, I am having them do writing still and submitting that through either text message or email to answer some comprehension questions or they're practicing their spelling words to continue the same routine that we were doing in school and and to move forward with the next chapter and the next lesson that we were supposed to be doing. So 
everybody right now seems to be happy. They're doing the work. There really is no issues with the technology that we were experiencing in the beginning where everything was crashing or it was just circling. It's going well. Is it going to replace face-to-face? In my opinion, no. But for, for what we need right now, it's going well for me. Have you learned anything or taken anything from this experience that is going to be a tool added to your toolbox in the future? I think moving forward, I use the Remind app so the parents are able to text me through that. Um, I like to set up a platform where I can communicate with them all year on this platform so everybody is familiar with it and I can post assignments on it. We can communicate through it. And then this way, if this does unfortunately happen again, that would be something that would be in place for learning. I also feel moving forward that I probably will have a go bag ready. So if something happens next year and they say, you know, round two is coming and it's back and we're going to, you know, take time off from school again, I could send home some paper books for the children to read as opposed to trying to read something online. They can actually physically have a book in front of them. We have that available to us or we can make paper books. And um, for the children who might not have those resources at home, they can have that with them. And pencils and all that. I sent all of that home with them because some children might not have the supplies at home that they need. So if we want them to make a picture um, and use markers, they might not have that at home. How much do you miss the classroom setting? I mean, I would imagine that's a lot of what got people into teaching. How much do you miss just kind of the the day-to-day, the the camaraderie with the kids, stuff like that? It breaks my heart. I planned for four weeks, and um, I never said anything to the children that day. They knew what was going on from their parents. They would talk to me about things they would ask, but I never told them that we weren't coming back to school. It's very hard on me. I miss the routine. I miss being able to sit at small group with them and teach them individually, meeting their individual needs, because teaching is about meeting every child's needs and their needs are different. So sometimes a child might need that certain task taught again and just socializing with them and, you know, talking about things that they like to talk about, seeing them grow, because this is the time when we would really see a ton of growth with their reading and their writing. It broke my heart when Murphy did call school. I think I cried for about an hour. I, didn't really know what he was going to do leading up to this. I kind of was hoping we would go back for a few weeks. I knew that that would be difficult with the social distancing, but I thought there would have been some hope just to see them and have that routine back. It's life is very hard. There is no structure or routine. It's it's I have the things I do for my classroom and I have the videos I make and the parent communication I have, but it's not the day that I had in school, you know, with my colleagues and laughing with the children and everybody just growing each day, something different, you know, they learned or something different that they were able to talk about and see that growth and have just the reward for them. And it's teacher appreciation week has this whole experience. And you're obviously someone who cares an awful lot about what you're doing, but has it made you appreciate the the idea of being a teacher even more. And on the flip side, 
with everyone kind of getting a front row seat to what it takes to educate a child, do you feel that maybe what you do has been appreciated a little more through all this? I do. I think that people saw that we were more than just teachers each day. I mean, we, we cared for our class all day. They were, I always told the parents at back to school night, you know, while they're with me, I will treat them as if they are my own children. How would I want my child to be treated? You know, if they need it, if they were hungry and they needed more breakfast, I made sure that they got that. If they didn't feel well, I made sure that they were taken care of. If they were having just a moment and they just needed to come over and sit by me. And we were a lot to them each day. We did more than just teach them. And I think that people do appreciate us more. It is hard. It is hard work what we do because it's not the same for each child. We have to accommodate each child's social and emotional and academic needs during the day. And each day it might be different. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 